Right, it's cracking lovely people. You're listening to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. The podcast about nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. I'm your host, Matt Gardner. Now, the last episode I said was 94. This episode is actually 94. Anyway, I hope this finds you well during these strange and uncertain and difficult times. I'm going to continue to bring you the pod and I hope you get something valuable out of my conversation today with performance nutritionist David Dunn. Now, David is an interesting practitioner because he's concurrently studying a PhD in digital health. I'm really looking forward to getting into that with him. So I'll link to one of the papers that he's already written, and that's on performance nutrition in the digital era, an exploratory study into the use of social media by sports nutritionists. So this study aimed to explore how social media is being used by sports nutritionists as part of service provisions, as well as practitioners' experiences and opinions of its use in practice. So especially if you're listening to this and you're a practitioner or a coach, you're now trying to wrap your head around how am I going to continue to provide value for my clients, for my community. Hopefully you'll get something interesting out of this. He's also the co-founder of an app called Hexus Performance. So before we have a chat with David, I just want to let you know a little bit about the company that helped me keep the lights on with this show. And at the moment, they're still operating. They're called 33 Fuel. They produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. My favorite product at the moment is their Ultimate Greens Powder. You can find a link to that and the rest of their products in the show notes. And you can get 10% off your first order by using Matt Gardner 10, all in capitals. The spelling's in the show notes. Definitely check that out really great company interesting people useful products convenient whole food based so hope you like them now let's get into my discussion with david david mate thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show during this um busy and difficult period and um you know you must be a a busy man in yourself as well and trying to look out for things and look out for loved ones how are you getting on yeah, look, firstly, thanks a million for having me. Delighted to, to be on and, and chat shop with, with someone else in the field. Um, not as busy at the minute, to be honest. A lot of the, the athletes that we that I work with or work as part of performance teams around, we've, for obvious reasons, had a lot of events cancelled, fights cancelled, as well as uh, some athletes now training remotely from home and doing their own thing. So um, a nice block of time to really get stuck into the PhD and a few other bits and pieces as well. Cool, mate. I'm keen to circle back to the PhD, but I think I have quite a few listeners who are coaches, uh, practitioners, and a few that are training to to become practitioners and coaches in the field as well. So it'd be good to get a little bit of information about how you got into doing what you're doing. And then um, I know we discussed a little bit about who you're working with, your primary contracts and things uh, before we started recording, but yeah, it'd be good just to get a bit more context on yourself for the listener, please, mate. Sure. So obviously from Ireland originally, um, I was always massively passionate about, I suppose, sport uh, and physical performance more than anything else and, and sort of understanding, 
you know, what we could do uh, ourselves and what we could take control of when it came to sports performance. So, so that kind of led me to doing my undergraduate degree where I wasn't 100% if I was sure that I was going to go down the nutrition route. So I did a, a joint degree. I did nutrition and sports science. And then as I progressed through the degree, uh, did my major in sports science, or sorry, did my major in nutrition and my minor in sports science. So that gave me a nice taste for it. And I jumped across the pond into, into London over at St. Mary's and Twickenham for that. And throughout that, I was pretty lucky. I, I managed to get some work placements with Ireland rugby team during one of the previous World Cups, as well as the Leinster rugby team to just go in and get a feel for the strength and conditioning, sports science, nutrition setups. And I think those experiences really opened my eyes to, I was, I suppose, to the nutrition aspect and the fact that it was more of a consultancy role. You had lots of different jobs that you could have within a squad, but also you could be spread across, across a number of squads. So that was, that was particularly appealing to me uh, as opposed to being you know, in one place all the time that I could get exposed to lots of different sporting environments and sort of broaden my horizon. So, so from there, I was pretty lucky. I got a, a, I suppose, got a job pretty much straight away after uh, in rugby league up with Bradford Bulls, uh, rugby league team up north, and started working, working there as well as in the QPR Academy and, and did my postgraduate qualification through the Olympic Committee part-time through that. And, and since then, to be honest, haven't really looked back. Been dotted across a number of sports from cycling to canoeing to rugby to football to Gaelic football uh, as well as some American sports NBA NFL and and some athletics so it's been great it's been a been a good journey and I suppose the biggest thing is just getting to work in those different environments throughout the way really helped me develop as a practitioner I think if I had stayed narrow and stayed in rugby or stayed in football uh, it would have really limited my ability to to think critically and understand uh, the sporting environment, sporting context, and and answer more difficult performance questions. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds like you thrive on that variety, mate. And I think is is it fair to say if you're listening to this and and you're trying to get into sports nutrition like you've done, you don't necessarily have to go out and start working in your favourite sport or your preferred sport. Like you said, it's getting into a sporting environment understanding the snc side you know having conversations with with players support staff just getting amongst it yeah absolutely you, you've got to get your hands dirty get in there and, and I, I would actively advise people don't go into their preferred sporting environment at the start uh, it becomes a bit of a comfort zone and yes it's, it's nice to know the nuances of a sport but but actually it's also important that people learn how to I suppose, go into something that they know nothing about and then figure it out. You, you, we find that there's a lot of cross-pollination between sports and that you know you might have a lesson from your own sporting background that you might be able to take into another sport or vice versa. So definitely get out and get exposed to as many different types of sports, uh, environments as possible when you're, when you're a developing practitioner. I mean, my early days, one of my... One of my early jobs was in was in fencing uh, with, with British fencing, and I had never been exposed to that before in my life. And it was great because there was a great team there. There was a great bunch of athletes, and it was important that you know I learned as much for them from them as they may learn from me. Um, so I think that that's really valuable, and also the relationships you build. Well, I would one lesson I've 
I've also picked up along the way is that you might work with a strength and conditioning coach or a physio in one environment and then four years later you can work with the same people in a completely different environment so it's a close-knit community so it's very good for for building your network building your relationships and investing in the people around you both the athletes and the practitioners as well Mm. I completely agree like I, I started in rugby and you know it's safe to say it was my favorite sport still is my favorite sport but then I transitioned into endurance sport and it was always it was always something I had an eye on to work in I was never really into it myself and then a bit of the kind of adventure sports too um, I was lucky to work with someone uh, two people in in alpinism which I didn't even know what it was before before that happened so I had to do you know like you said uh, take a lot of fundamentals you learn from from one place and obviously build relationships to start with and then kind of go from there so I'd say the same if you're listening to this and you're you're a bit touch and go and you've got an opportunity in, in a sport that you don't know too much about then um, yeah there's there's nothing wrong with that and I think it is about diving in and, and like you said there Dave mate just getting getting to know the people that are, that are working around you and building relationships and um, doing the best you can yeah 100% and yeah echoing that again I think you know, when you sort of say diving in there, I, I can't emphasize that enough that what we don't want and what organizations don't want is people that come out of university and think they have a degree and they say come in and feel like they should be doing something. You know, we've got to be willing to, to do a bit of everything when we get there, whether that's holding a stopwatch, laying out cones, doing the shakers, as well as your consultations and, and the wider strategies that you put in place. You want to be a valued member of a team and a valued member of an organization. And I think that's one thing that people don't unfortunately get taught at university, which is you just got to help the team, got to do what's best for the team or the athletes. And, you know, especially in the early days, you know, make yourself valuable, make yourself a good person to be around and an energy giver. And I think that goes such a long way in, in helping to build that relationship and in particular, in, in an environment like you said, you went into your endurance. That at the start, you don't you don't you don't know much about. Hmm. Yeah, definitely, mate. And talking of wider strategies and uh, resources, it'd be good to learn a little bit about this app, or um, you know, is it is it is it safe to call it a, a training system, like nutrition recipes, kind of remote information? It'd be cool to hear a bit about that because obviously people listening to that, to this, sorry, can can engage with that tool. Sure. Yeah. So I suppose we'll start a few years back where I was working at, at British Canoeing and things got particularly busy for me at the time. I had to, I was dotted across a few sports really and I found that my week was split and if I had to travel for competition with cyclists or the canoeists, that it would limit my face-to-face time in other organizations. So it was at the time where social media and these different platforms were starting to come onto the scene with a bit more oomph, let's say. So we started to run some some private social media channels on the back of, on the back of, I suppose, trying to make ourselves a little bit more scalable and continuous. And it was actually a conversation with, with Daniel Davey back in Leinster who kind of sparked the interest in us. At the time, he had started to run these private Facebook groups and he was getting good change. So we said, we'll, we'll give it a go and see if we can support the athletes that we work with on a, you know, a more day-to-day basis, a more continuous and scalable basis, even though we might not have physically been there. And then it, it went particularly well. And from there, I sort of 
I sparked, I sparked an interest in it and wanted to explore it a little bit further. Went into UCL and met some, met some people from different backgrounds. Got to sit down with a, a very good PhD student in computer science that he's now completed, Dr. Rodrigo Mazora, a medical statistician, Xiaoxi Yan, and a behavioral scientist from the Center for Behavior Change, Carmen de Vebrian. We all kind of sat down and got together and I suppose started to do some research, started to look at a really multidisciplinary approach to research. We found out we were quite good at it. And I suppose since then, we've sort of carried on our our research efforts and as a result it sort of led to this creation of of hexus uh, and hexus performance is, is the name of the platform and it's really it's a behavior it's a behavior technology platform where we're trying to help athletes improve their performance through their nutrition so what we've done is we've looked at from my perspective as a practitioner and from a behavioral science perspective and from a needs analysis of, of individual athletes how can we make our services more scalable and continuous and give a bit more autonomy back to the athletes to help them on their journey and to help them achieve their performance goals, fuel the training that they're trying to do and adapt the way they need to adapt. And, and to do that, we brought on some extra skills um, in Dr. Sam Impey, who completed his PhD in carbohydrate periodization, um, and Dr. Brian Kniff, who's worked as a performance lead and sports scientist for multiple international organizations, Olympic organizations, British and Irish Lions. So, so it's been great. It's been great for everyone to come together. But we're hoping now, later this year, uh, we'll be running a large-scale trial with a wide group of athletes to, to test some assumptions. First of all, the research is really important to us. So we want to carry on doing well, well-structured, multidisciplinary trials. Um, and, and on the back of that, we'll, we'll see. We'll will hopefully bring something out if you know if we're happy with this or if we need to go back to the research, we'll go back to the research and, and carry on working. But it should hopefully be a really useful tool for athletes, but also practitioners. So we've tried to help automate the, I suppose, more tedious jobs of our day when it comes to providing meal plans and fuel plans or how we can systemize and automate the delivery of educational, motivational, uh, I suppose behavior change content for athletes. Mm. And I, it's it's so good to hear a little bit about what's under the hood with a tool like this because on the front end, you know, I'll, I'll link to your your social media platform mate and lovely people. You'll see some recipes, some really handy infographics. I know you've obviously recently put out a lot on. Uh, uh, staying clean while traveling I know people aren't traveling at the moment but that's the front end and it's very useful little bits of information recipes and things but then it's good to hear about what's going on in the back end um, because it is a process this kind of thing mate and like you said it takes time you know your scope of practice so you're very keen to obviously work with other experts in their field and um, put something together and yeah this kind of behavioral technology platform sounds really exciting because like you said it's about bringing together certain tools we know meal plans you know whole food based recipes at the end of the day are things people are going to need but then on the back end it's it's the process isn't it it's about um being able to rate certain things feelings energy um if they're taking any kind of measurements so yeah there's a lot that goes into it and i think 
the way you're explaining it there is really valuable for the listener to kind of understand what happens behind closed doors. Yeah, no, look, I, thanks, I appreciate that because it's, like I said, a lot of work has gone in and, and we've been very slow at doing what we're doing because because we have been meticulous. Um, as, a, as a research group, we respect each other a lot, but at the same time, we're not afraid to ask difficult questions and that's, that's really helped sort of push us on. But also, I suppose, for listeners out there that are interested in getting into the research space or are, you know, in inverted commas, an expert in their field, I also think it's really important and really valuable to acknowledge that, you know, you can't be a jack of all trades, that, you know, there's no point in, in me pretending to have the same level of knowledge in, let's say, the carbohydrate periodization model, even within my field, where... Dr. Sam Impey has done a PhD and two postdocs in the area, mm. or James Morton has God knows how many publications in the area. And then when we look at other fields, you know, behavioral science, computer science, human-computer interaction, uh, medical statistics, bioinformatics, I mean, we've got to work together. Uh, and if we can get out of our own echo chamber and start to work really as a multidisciplinary team, I think that's when we'll see the best I suppose one of the best research or most impactful research being brought to the academic community, but then hopefully we might even be able to, um, I suppose, increase the rate at which we can translate that, that research to practice uh, and bring to life some new useful solutions for, for our community as well as other communities. Mm. So it's basically just watch this space, lovely people, and there's um, you know there's a there's a lot of good things coming. So it's definitely worthwhile staying in touch. And mate, I think you know the listeners are probably thinking this, and I'm and I'm thinking this as well. You're a busy guy, and obviously you're working on things that are um, trying to to push efficiency, uh, behavioural change, push boundaries, get people doing more, but feeling the best they can be. How are you doing it on an individual level, mate? I know the last few weeks in these strange and difficult times, it's very different. But, um, you know, what a typical week, what does that look for you? I'm trying to get my head around how, how you organise things, mate. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't think there is a typical week, uh, one day at a time. But look, that's what the old saying goes, if you want something done, give it to someone who's really busy. Uh, they'll, they'll figure out a way to get it done. But for me personally, I just think, I think stress management is probably one of the biggest things and just maintaining your own lifestyle habits that work for you. I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that I, I wouldn't say I get stressed too easily provided I'm, I'm getting enough sleep myself. Uh, you know, For me, as long as I'm getting seven, seven to eight hours, I'm generally okay and I'm getting some physical activity. So I think you've got to block in that time to, to go and do your own thing and to allow yourself to recover and fortunately, I'm sure like yourself, you know, I love what I do. Uh, I love working with the different people and athletes and organizations. I love looking at this area. Um, and we at Hexus, we have a phenomenal team who I learn from every day. So I actually get a lot of energy from it. Um, so in terms of, of managing my time, you know, it's definitely not a nine to five. It's, it's often a sort of a, you know, a seven till maybe nine, 10 in the evening, some nights, maybe later, depending on what's going on. But it's as much of a, a hobby as it is as it is a job so yeah it's fulfilling so it's giving you energy and like you said you know when to collaborate outsource and like you said there'll, there'll be some constant things um in your life with with movement with sleep 
and um, I'm sure if you're putting all those recipes together, mate, you're probably putting away slices of banana bread to keep to keep energy needs high. So, yeah, that sounds good. Um, mate, it'd be good to dovetail into uh, hearing a little bit about the the research uh, paper that you produced last year. And am I right in saying you're you're currently writing something else at the moment? Just just give the the listeners a bit of a of an update on that. Sure. Yeah. No. Look. So. Um, it took me a little bit of a while to publish that one through through nothing else than putting not putting I suppose allocating the time to put pen to paper. Um, but so that that paper really what we were looking at was how or if practitioners are currently using social media or digital media to support their their practice. So with the growth and evolution of, of digital media, I suppose the uptake has been quite ubiquitous. We see it everywhere now. People are on WhatsApp, you know, could be up to 80 plus times a day. They're checking their phone God knows how many times. Um, and they're engaging with all these different bits of uh, different platforms and pieces of information. I think Twitter has become the number one source for people to actually get their news from, which is crazy. So what we were really interested in was just actually speaking to practitioners and exploring their opinions and perspectives, as well as figuring out if if they were essentially getting on board with this movement and whether they brought this extended arm into their practice. And I suppose what we found was that the vast majority of nutritionists working in elite level sport were not just going into the organizations and working one-on-one or in groups uh, with their teams and clients, but actually they were delivering additional support via WhatsApp, via Instagram, via Facebook, uh, some even via YouTube and other platforms or, or internal platforms, and that they were finding it really useful, that the feedback from the athletes to them subjectively was really good, uh, and that they really liked it. Now, the interesting thing, I suppose, was when it came to measuring effectiveness, mm. so there were very few individuals who were able to say that, you know what, you know, I'm doing this and I think it's great, and you know I, I think it's really worthwhile but when it came to actually measuring impact that was probably a gap that we had and we weren't necessarily effective at, at capturing the outcomes of these digital interventions that we were we were building uh, and also there is a, a small barrier and that it does take a practitioner time to pull all these resources together to try systemize them uh, and you know that that can eat into other areas of the week so I think the biggest outcome from that was that we, you know, practitioners are using these tools. However, it, it looks like it is time to collaborate, bring in other areas of expertise to see if we can help make these practitioners a bit more scalable, give them a more effective tool to do what they're already doing uh, and systemize the delivery of what they're doing as well as help them measure impact so that they can help refine the interventions that they deliver to to really help each individual. So I suppose since then we carried on and we said, well, look, this is what practitioners are saying, but actually what are athletes saying? Practitioners say that this is really useful or athletes saying the same thing. And we had a mixed response from athletes and it really depended on the group and the level of support they've been exposed to. But most athletes were, and answers that were, were writing this up at the minute, so watch this space. Most athletes were, were relatively happy with their nutrition support. They had reference that they were receiving some support via digital means. 
However, there was a, the, the biggest barrier that was highlighted was it was quite generic. They felt like they were seeing the same things. It wasn't really individualized or personalized to them. Um, they had reported some experience of other apps, things like MyFitnessPal and Calorie Counters. However, they also reported high attrition rates. They do it for a few days, you know, get annoyed, can it, and, and go back to doing what they were doing. So in terms of habit building and habit formation, you know, not being able to stick to it was a real limiting factor. So I think the interesting thing there is they are open to it. They do want to receive more continuous support. They want the ability to have access to this support almost on a 24-7 basis. You know, when they need it, they want it. So, so that bit of autonomy needs to be given back to the athlete. Um, and then how we incorporate that and what we look to deliver to them, they, they flagged, a, I suppose, a few things that they're interested in, things like recipes, meal planners, um, but a little bit more flexibility on autonomy. So I think the biggest thing was that they get, they get a hand on it, they get, they get their say, um, and that it's not as general, that it feels a bit more personalized. You know, and that, that presents us with, it, with an interesting challenge because, I mean, we could, for example, we could give an athlete five options and they could pick one and they could feel like, this is great, I've got to decide what I want, but ultimately we've, those five options for us could actually be the same thing. So there are ways that we can design for change um, and how we can look to, to bring that into how we bring this forward. But it, it's an interesting space and, and I definitely have to collaborate out to, to gain a better understanding. So hopefully, and I know my supervisors will, will be laughing when I say this, but hopefully that, that paper will be, will be written up in the next couple of months and, and be out later this year. Oh, cool. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's again, obviously, just continuing to follow yourself and um, I'll put everything... That, that you need lovely people in the show notes so people can stay in touch with with what you're doing mate and um now it's interesting some of the work i do we're in we're in i wouldn't say a similar position because it's not in sport i'm, I'm kind of working in corporate wellness at the moment and health span but it's interesting because like you said it's it's about it's about measuring outcomes but in a nutrition service that i'm working in at the moment we're lucky to have um, a health assessment service working with GPs and physiologists we've got a CBT service so all these things are kind of working and then with with the nutrition there's there's about say 20 of us nationally um, and and like you said there it's uh, it's trying to figure out which outcomes we want to measure completely as a team around the country so there's a challenge in itself and then also like you said when when you're giving it back to the client and seeing what they want it's then also trying to figure out um, a, a system or, or you know, a, a kind of remote service to be able to deliver that too. So I think it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. And when you were saying that, I was scribbling down a lot of notes because it was, um, yeah, what you what you were saying is have been some of the things I've been thinking about recently with, with one of the projects we're working on too, but it's more in the health span space and behaviour change around, you know, supporting individuals to to uh, lower blood pressure blood sugar uh, lipid profiles things like that so um no mate it's good to hear your perspective from the from the sports and the athlete side of things yeah look i mean it sounds like you've got a great there's a great multidisciplinary setup there and it sounds like you've got some really interesting work going on yourself um and, and it's interesting i suppose flagging athletes and and i suppose more general population like for me i think the biggest thing that i've learned 
in the last few years is that they're just people, you know, that, you know, athletes might be genetically gifted. Um, they might still not have the highest level of motivation. Some of them might have higher levels of motivation. Um, that, you know, at the end of the day, we're both yourself and myself, we're just dealing with people and ultimately we got to understand what works best for that individual regardless of start point, regardless of, I suppose, are they an athlete or are they not or what their, what their background is. And, and I really like the, the question the Human Behaviour Change Project put forward a few years ago, which was, I suppose, can you find out what works for who, how well, in what setting, for how long, and why? You know, there's, there's lots of variables there, but actually, you know, trying to get to the bottom of those, trying to understand those things, we might find that, you know, the athlete is no different to the, to the layperson, or certain athletes might be no different to the layperson. They might have similar, I suppose, psychometric or psychological profiles, and that might be the biggest terror. Uh, who knows? But we'll have to we'll have to keep working on it. No, I think I think it's important for people to hear from someone like yourself, who who works with you know different kind of athletes from different sports, and you travel. You know, you're not just here working in the UK. I've seen some of your stuff obviously around the world with golf too, and it's important to you know see them as human beings. I know that sounds silly. But it's um yeah, a lot a lot of them are idolised and then I bet when um you know you're meeting people, if 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 you're out seeing friends or families or things like that and they ask what you do or they want to check in with what you do, they kinda of wanna hear the glitzy side of it. Whereas actually, like you said, sometimes it's just cracking um certain certain supplements, carrying things around, it's uh sitting down and going through a bit of a kind of uh updated you know how how you feel how you eat how you sleep how you move kind of list of questions with someone in the corner of a room um so it's it's good to bring to bring that to bring that to head mate really yeah that's it just just build relationships build trust and then then go from there cool okay mate i think in terms of going through um you know what you do some of the things you're working on like you said you'll eventually get that that uh, bit of literature out and um yeah it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts but i think it's it's it, it sounds like there's some good good problems and there's a lot of uh, uh hopefully solutions and things for you to do moving forward is there is there anything else you think the listener uh, should know about what you're doing and is there anything else you need to to let them know about how to follow you or have we kind of covered off every base in in, in this first chat mate yeah, no, we've, we've covered a lot, and thanks a million for, for having me on again. Great great to chat, as always. Um, I think, look, if there's anything the listener needs to know, at this time in particular, it's just stay safe, uh, follow the guidelines that are given to you, given what's going on in the world at the minute, and you know, even if you think you're fine, just make sure you're protecting other people around you. Um, that would be probably one of my biggest things for, for the time being. And if you are isolated or you're you're finding that a little bit tough as well, just make sure you're you're still staying on top of you know some form of physical activity to keep keep the body healthy and I suppose break up your day a little bit. Mm. If, if people do want to find out more uh, about my myself, uh, I'm over on social media at the Nutritionizer. Uh, the funny story behind that name was on my first day working at Harlequins, I got given my, my key card to the building and they just spelled nutrition strong and then it stuck with me from there. So <laughs> um, 
yeah, that was that was uh, that was given to me, not uh, not uh, not claimed. But and then from the Hexus side of things, um, we're over on Instagram at Hexus underscore performance. We have a little bit of information coming out on that, but you know that will really ramp up towards the summer, and we're and we're really excited to show you, I suppose, show you what we have when we complete the research and and find out a bit more ourselves. Awesome, mate. So yeah, lovely people. Thanks again for listening. I completely agree with what Dave just said there. Stay safe. Look after yourself. Get some kind of movement in there during the day to just break things up. And look, as always, thanks for listening. I've got more opportunity to have more really, really good and in-depth conversations with guests like I brought on today. So I really appreciate it. I'm very fortunate and I hope you got something uh, valuable useful out of this episode and as always please subscribe to the show and we'll speak soon have a healthy week